Well, good evening. What a wonderful group of young people I see. I used to be a school teacher, so I really enjoy seeing young people. And I tell you, uh, I think Pastor's showing off tonight. He's got all these young people out here, and he's going he's gonna to kind of parade them out here so I can just, you know, salivate and wish I could see more of it. Uh, it's great to have all you young people here. And, uh, and I tell you what, uh, if you get excited and you want to say amen, that's all right. That's like saying sick them to a hound dog, okay? And so uh, if you like what you hear, uh, feel free to amen anytime you want to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get right into the message tonight, this being a Wednesday night. and You all probably have school tomorrow, don't you? I'm sorry about that. But uh, tonight we're going to look at a, a, a message I've entitled, Good Things to Come. How many of you like good things? All right, amen. Well, we're going to talk about good things to come tonight because there's a lot of things that we've been talking about this week that are kind of depressing uh, in some ways, but in some ways are very uplifting because, look, I know that there's a, a great tribulation coming, but I've been saved from the wrath to come. I'm not worried about Antichrist because I know Jesus Christ. How about you? And if you know Jesus Christ, you can be excited about that because you're not going to have to go through all that stuff we've been talking about this week in end time prophecy. So I want to get right into the message in Hebrews 9 and verse 11. This is what God's word says. But Christ being come a high priest of what? Good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, Not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, his own blood. He entered into or he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The phrase good things to come is only used twice in the word of God. Let me show you the second time it's used. It's in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse one for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, direct our thoughts tonight. Help us, Lord, to uh, focus upon your precious word. And Lord, illumine our eyes and give us understanding and help us to discern the scriptures tonight. Help these young people to understand the importance of your precious word and to understand this message tonight because there's great things in store for those who know Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to talk about some of those things tonight. And I pray that you'll receive honor and glory for all that's said and done. And maybe there's someone here tonight, maybe one of these young people, maybe one of these adults uh, that don't really know for certain Uh, that if they were to die today, they would go to heaven. Maybe they know they're lost and they've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And maybe their father, they're just backslidden. Lord, maybe they just simply uh, have become cold and indifferent. Maybe they were saved years ago, but something along the way has caused them to lose focus. Help them, Lord, I pray, uh, to be drawn unto you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Gabriel Heater uh, was a, an old news commentator. Now, your pastor might remember him. I'm not certain uh, if he goes that far back. But uh, this particular news commentator named Gabriel Heater, uh, during World War II, 
uh, was with the mutual broadcasting company, his catchphrase, his catchphrase was, there's good news tonight. Think about that. There's good news. How many of you have watched the news lately? You see anything good on there? No. It's depressing. I mean, when you watch the news, sometimes it's so... I I watch the news a lot because I want to see where we're at on God's prophetic calendar. And I like to talk about current events and tie it in with Scripture. That's what God's called me to do. But boy, I'll tell you, there's not a lot of good news uh, on on the TV or in the newspaper or in magazines. Uh, He also said this, it's been said that disaster has no cheerier greeter than gleeful gloating. That's what Gabriel Heater said. And I, you know, there's a lot of things that these older folks used to say that, that really have stuck with me and my generation. And I hope that some of the things that we say tonight will stick with you. There's not much good news uh, being heard today, but the Bible says good news is coming. And so when we think about that, I want you to think about this. When I was 15 years old, when I was just 15 years old, I got saved. That's been uh, f- almost 51 years ago now. Uh, 50, think about that. Next month, it'll be 51 years that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And I was just a, a young teenager. And um, boy, I talked about my father the other day and how that my father told me he got saved and I needed to get saved too. And that made a big impact in my life. And uh, so when I got saved... God did not save my body. This body is getting older. And every, every year I can feel that I'm a year older. Trust me, I have arthritis. I've got to have a hip uh, transplant. I just had a thumb joint transplant because of arthritis. I uh, had cataract surgery. You know, there's a lot of things I can talk about as far as my body is concerned. And it's certainly not perfect. And, it, and God didn't save my body when he saved me in 1972. What he did was he saved my soul and my spirit. And one of these days, praise God, one of these days, this body that's still today under the curse of sin is going to be changed. How do I know that? Because Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Each and every one of us are going to die. If we live long enough, we're going to die, unless the Lord Jesus comes back for his church. But uh, the Bible also says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. That means you can't work your way to heaven. Young people, if you want to go to heaven, you have to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. The only way to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you do... You can say with all other believers, there are good things to come. Good things to come. You see, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul said, for me to live is what? Christ. To die is what? Gain. Now, how can dying be gain? Because we who are believers, we who have trusted in Jesus Christ... We haven't trusted in our own good works, for by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, you can't work your way to heaven. 
Young people, if you want to go to heaven, it's not by church membership. I used to tell people in my church when I pastored in uh, southern Ohio, in Lawrence County, Ohio, I said you could get baptized in every pond in Lawrence County until you know every frog by first name. If you've not been born again, you'll just come up a wet sinner. Amen? And so if you want to get to heaven, it's not by works, it's not by church membership, it's not by water baptism, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now that tells us two things. One, as long as we're breathing and our heart's beating and we're walking, we ought to be glorifying Jesus. That's what we're here for. And God left us here for that purpose, to be a witness to tell others about Jesus. But to die is gain. Why? Because there are good things that are coming. That's what we find in God's word. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Uh, In 2019, I preached my mother's funeral. She was 86 years old. And uh, she passed away. She had been sick for quite a while. Uh, When I was much younger, and my father was still living, she was not a Christian. And uh, I wasn't raised in a church home or a Christian home. I wasn't raised uh, going to church uh, Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever the door was open. That wasn't the way my family operated. And when my father got saved... He told me I needed to be saved. Then later on, God called my father to preach. And my mother criticized him constantly. And it angered me because my father and I had a very close relationship. And I was so angry that my mother did not support my father in his ministry. And finally, my father died at age 54. He was a young man. And I blamed my mother for his early death. And I told her so. Just a couple of years after that, God called me to preach. And my mother became my greatest fan. She went with me everywhere that I was preaching. And she, she would listen and she bragged on me and she told everybody, all of her friends, that her, her son was this good little preacher. And she was just so proud of me. And I, and I felt like that she was trying to make up for not supporting my father. But that was all right. Because my mother, I knew, was not a Christian. You see, she had gone to a, a little church when she was a young girl. Uh, she got sprinkled. She thought that she was on her way to heaven because when she was a little girl, she went to church and, and somebody sprinkled her and called it baptism. And she thought that's all you had to do to go to heaven. But as she heard me preach time and time and time again, she began to ask questions. And I told my mother the plan of salvation. I said, Mother, I said, in order for you to go to heaven, you have to be born again. She says, what does that mean? It means that you have to believe that Jesus came to this world, that he died upon the cross of Calvary, that he gave his life in death, in order that you and I could go to heaven. He died so that we might live and that he was buried and he rose from the grave. And because he lives, we can live also. I said, that's the gospel, mom. That's what you have to do. You have to believe that in your heart. 
The Bible says, if I confess with my, my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I can be saved. Praise God. And my mother said, I want to be saved. And I led my mother to the Lord. And then I baptized my mother the next week because I was a pastor of a church at that time. What a glorious turnaround of events from me being angry at my mother because I felt like she wasn't being nice enough or she wasn't being good to my father. She wasn't being supportive as a, a wife to where I was elated. I was excited because she gave her her heart to Jesus Christ. And there was rejoicing that took part in heaven because one sinner had come home. I preached my mother's funeral. The title of that sermon was The Gain of Dying as a Believer. I could preach that now because my mother was a believer. And I could tell people the gain of dying as a child of God. What are those things? What promised gain is there in dying as a believer? Well, very briefly, I can tell you there's the promise of his presence, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 5.8. It says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, when a person dies, they don't go into some soul sleep. They don't go into some ground. Their soul and spirit goes to be with the Lord. If they're saved, if they're lost, they go to a place called hell. There's a Bible story in the Gospel of Luke. It talks about a rich man who went to hell, and today he's still thirsting for a drop of water. The Bible says hell's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Heard a preacher one time say he was preaching in a, in, a, in a rescue mission and he was preaching on hell and he said, there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And one old drunk back in the back of the, uh, of the congregation hollered. He said, what about us? Ain't got no teeth. And the preacher didn't miss a beat. He said, teeth will be provided. Teeth will be provided. Praise God. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians 15, 53, we find that not only the promise of his presence, but the promise of perfection. Look at what it says. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I'm going to have a body, praise God, that's never going to get old, never going to have arthritis, never going to have to have surgery, never going to have to have cataracts removed. Not only that, but the, we have a promise of a prepared place. Notice 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, But I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. What a blessing to know that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus today is preparing a place for those who believe in him. Have you believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, you need to do that. And you can do that tonight. Not only that, there's another gain of dying as a believer. We have the promise of perfect inheritance. Notice what he says in 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope. How has he begotten us again to a lively hope? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
to an inheritance. Look at that. To an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, and it's reserved where? In heaven. Folks, Satan can't touch it. Our, our inheritance is reserved in heaven. Not only that, we have the promise of a perfect fellowship. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and, and, and be their God, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eye, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's a promise to those who have trusted Jesus Christ. You see, if you haven't believed on Jesus Christ, if you haven't said, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. You say, well, I'm not a bad person. You will die and go to hell if you keep believing that. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. B, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that Jesus came, he died, he was buried, but he rose again and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Because he lives, I can live, you can live also. And C, it's as easy as A, B, C. A, acknowledge that you're a sinner. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. C, come and call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are good things to come for those who do. Being confident of this very thing, Paul says, he which hath begun a work in you, a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That good work was performed in me January 2nd, 1972. I've been saved since then. And if you've been saved, he will preserve that same work for you and finish it. For I know in whom I have believed, Paul says, but I am, listen, he said, but not only that, he said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep, to guard, to garrison like a soldier to guard or garrison that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul says, I know in whom I have. Do you know who you have believed? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? You say, well, preacher, I've been saved. Are you certain of that? Are you sure? Or did you just join a church? There's a difference, you see. You know, you need to make certain that you have been born again. There are good things to come for those who are saved. Today, the church isn't in great shape. I go into different churches every week, and I can tell you it's not in great shape. Paul addressed this issue to young Timothy. He said in the last days, things would change. He said, for the time would come when men would not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want somebody to tell jokes and tickle ears. You see a lot of that on television today. A lot of personalities. Listen, folks, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not serving. I'm not following a personality. I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our great high example, amen? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Listen, doctrine matters. What a church teaches, what a pastor preaches, that's important. And you need to make certain that you're in the Bible so that you can tell the difference between truth and lie. Peter Drucker, a Jewish businessman, 
he would always ask his, his uh, business clients two questions. First, he would ask them, hey, what business are you in? And then he would ask a second question, how's business? Think about that. What business are you in? How's business? If you're a child of God, your vocation is to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. How's business? Are you passing out those tracts like your pastor's been talking about every night? Are you telling other people about Jesus? Listen, what business are you in? I didn't ask you what job you have. What's your vocation? Your vocation is how are you serving Jesus Christ? How's business? You see, that's the problem. Today, churches today would have a difficult time answering that second question. We know what business we're supposed to be in as children of God. But that second question, how's business? That's a little tougher. Do you realize that the only time the church is called glorious is after it's finally going to be united with Christ? Listen to what Jesus said, or uh, Paul said to the Ephesians. He said that he might present it himself to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That hasn't happened yet. Spend some time with me. You'll see I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If you're saved, you're a sinner saved by grace. I, I, listen, I sin every day. Don't want to. Don't intend to. But it happens. But you know what God said? He said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only forgive us, but to give us a bath. Praise God. And we can be cleansed again. You're going to make mistakes, young people. As a child of God, when I was 15 and got saved, listen, I fell, I stumbled, I bloodied my nose all the time. I tried to be a good Christian, but sometimes I just utterly failed. That will happen. That's not an excuse. But God will forgive you if you repent of that sin and you call upon him and confess it before him. One day the church will be perfect. We're not perfect yet. But there are good things to come. Good things to come. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance to the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. You see, one day, the head of the church is going to be in complete control of us. And we're going to be perfectly obedient to him. And uh, we, the church, we are the body, the fullness of him that filleth all. In other words, we'll have perfect understanding. We'll, have, we'll know the hope of his calling. We'll better know the riches of his glory and the greatness of his power. And we'll enjoy the headship of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. So how are all these good things made possible? We've been talking a lot about good things to come. How are these good things to come made possible? Well, they're made possible because of Jesus Christ. What did he do? Well, he came in a prepared body. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 5, uh, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, sacrifice and offering, he says, Thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. We know that Jesus came 
with a purpose to perform. What is that purpose? He said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do thy will, O God, to, the, to do thy will. He said, I come to do the Father's business, the Father's business. That's what Jesus did. He came to establish a perfect covenant. There's an old covenant in the Bible and there's a new covenant. The old covenant was the law given to the nation of Israel. And there were 613 different laws that they had to abide by. And many of them were prohibitionary and many of them were mandatory laws. And, and they couldn't do them. The law was never given to save. It was to show man his need of a savior. And so Jesus came to establish a more perfect covenant. The Bible says, He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. Under the old covenant, God was called Jehovah. Uh, he was the covenant-keeping God. And, but under the new covenant, God is called Father. That shows a family relationship. You want to be part of the family of God? This idea that, uh, that everybody is a child of God and, and we're all brothers. This fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man, you probably have heard that. We're all God's children. Nonsense. That's not true. You're not a child of God unless you've been born again. You're not a child of God unless you've trusted Christ and called upon him to save you. Otherwise, the Bible says you're the child of the devil. And if you want to go to heaven... You must be born again. Jesus came to offer sacrifice, and this sacrifice provided us permanent sanctification. Permanent sanctification. Listen, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, how often? Once for all. There's only one way to heaven. Everybody must go to heaven the same way. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. That's what the Jews did. They offered uh, the blood of goats and, 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 and lambs and, and they offered uh, the blood of, uh, of turtle doves and pigeons. Listen, those sacrifices could never take away your sin. Those sacrifices were given to foreshadow that Lamb of God that was to come. And the Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. But this man, Jesus, notice this man speaking of Christ. He offered one sacrifice forever and he sat at the right hand of God. Praise the Lord. Listen, if you could be saved today and lost tomorrow then you would need a sacrifice again. And Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins for how long? Forever, praise God. And, and Christ's ascension provided a witness. And it says, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. You see, Jesus said he was going to go up into heaven, but he would send the Holy Spirit, a comforter that would come. And that comforter came after Jesus ascended up into heaven and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and empowered the church and they went forth preaching the word of God and every man heard that in his own language. And so what we find is that God began to use the church to propagate the gospel, to spread the word of God and many people were saved on that day. Christ's ministry provides a perfect picture. How so? He says, lo, I will come to do thy will. Jesus Christ came as a prophet to declare what God wanted him to declare to the people. And that's what a 
a prophet did. His back is toward God and his face was toward the people. And he was telling the people what God had to say. And then we know that this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right of hand of God. Christ became our high priest. Now Christ is our mediator. He has his back to you and I, and his face is toward God. And so when Jesus stands before the Father, he's representing you and me, those of us who have been saved. And then he says, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, Christ will one day come and he will rule as king of kings and lord of lords. In Hebrew, that would be Lamech, Lamech, Adonai, Adonai. King of kings and Lord of lords. Because Jesus came to die on the cross for the sin of the world, you and I have a hope. Good things to come. A hope of great things to come if we trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Think about that. Jesus carried the cross all the way to Mount Calvary, a place called Golgotha. And Jesus, before he carried the cross, he was beaten with a cat of nine tails as a means of punishment. And he carried that cross after he had been beaten so severely that he was unrecognizable. And when Jesus got to Mount Calvary, to Golgotha, a lictor with a nail apron and a hammer and spikes drove nails through his, through his wrist into the cross beam of the cross. And that cross was erected. His knees had been bent and one foot was placed upon the other. Why? Because when a person died on the cross, they died of asphyxiation. The Romans perfected the cross. And now that person on the cross, he could open up his diaphragm by straightening his legs. But the pain became so excruciating in his feet that he would drop back down into this position. And so on the cross, you would have this constant movement. (gasps) Up and down, up and down. Remember, his back's beaten. And he's scraping his back on that rough cross. He died between two thieves. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for the whole world. Yes, indeed. There are good things to come. Good things to come. But they are for believers only. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. You want to be saved tonight? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Without anyone looking around, I want to ask a couple of questions. And then the pastor will come and we're going to invite you to come to this altar. How many of you are not certain of your salvation? Would you lift up your hand? I'm not sure if I died today, I would go to heaven. Would you lift up your hand? God bless you. I see those hands. I see several people say, you know, I'm not certain. I'm not sure. Wouldn't it be a blessing tonight to come forward And just pray a simple sinner's prayer. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. And today, I believe he's my Savior in heaven, waiting to come back for me. Wouldn't it be wonderful tonight 
just to come and give your heart to Jesus, to get this over with, to not have that burden anymore. I know a lot of young people. Listen, folks, you have a lot of difficult things in your life. I understand that. It's so much easier if you have Christ in your heart. It's so much easier. I'm going to invite you to come during this song. I want you to come. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would draw men, women, boys, and girls unto yourself so that they can get this settled once and for all. In Christ's name, amen.